Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring, boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, sitting here with Ian Brown of MLB.com, and we're sitting here outside Camden Yards, and uh, it's probably a place that we probably would rather be than inside Camden Yards because we just got word that Tim Wakefield has passed away and we both covered Tim we both knew Tim we both liked him um, as a as a player as a friend um, and as such a unique personality and a unique guy and like I said we're, we're sitting here in the ballpark but really you know whether it was the moment of silence whether it was the news whether it was just this sort of sinking into our our to start day it's probably not the the focus that we want to look at the baseball field we'd rather sort of focus on tim so that's sort of what we want to do here um so ian thanks for joining i know it's uh this isn't like an easy day i mean this no, is this, this seems like because i think that tim first of all it was so fast and so on un- i, I want to say semi-unexpected but also, you know, we talk about a guy that we both covered. I mean, this was the heart of our of coverage of, of the Boston Red Sox, of following this guy and seeing so many different uh, iterations of him and, and different examples and different memories and, and that stretched beyond him playing days, that stretched beyond to seeing him in the in the clubhouse, to seeing him in the broadcast booth. To, and I'm going on and on and on, but I'm, I'm just going to let you sort of look yeah. at your sort of initial thoughts. Yeah, I mean, the first thing when I think of when I think of Tim Wakefield is just solid, man. He was solid in every way. 
um, as a person, just like, no BS with that guy, you know, he just like, he, he was just sincere in everything he said, um, his teammates loved him because he was selfless, um, you know, Alex Kors talked a lot this year about Justin Turner and uh, his wife and all they've done in the community, Wakefield was like the originator of that with this new ownership i mean he just took the the community stuff so seriously he was the team's first captain in the jimmy fund he spent more time over there than any player uh that i've covered and you just think of things from his career like um when he the red sox are getting crushed in game three of the 04 alcs uh, he's lined up to pitch game four when they're going to be losing three games to none and he goes up to terry francona with his spikes on and says i'm going to save the bullpen for the rest of the night and uh, just mop up so the bullpen could be reset and they started Derek Lowe the next day and the rest was history and people talk about the Dave Roberts deal and the, the big poppy home run. When I talk to Terry Francona about this stuff, the first thing he always mentions to me is uh, what Wakefield did in game three. So I think that uh, that kind of tells you a lot right there. Yeah, and you, I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to just just saying that this is this is a solid human. Be- this was a solid human being, and and it goes back to remember, it it, it was such a long stretch that as the Red Sox said, twenty seven years, right? Total yeah. playing, broadcasting, it's part of the organization. And remember, like when they picked him up, I think it was in the middle of the year. He's, he's really struggling in Buffalo. Yeah. And then he, he goes on this epic run for the Red Sox. And, and <laughs> I, just, I just looked up those numbers uh, today or the other day, and it was something like 14-1 and one in his first like 17 starts with the team with like a, a 1.80 array, and that was a team uh, you know Clemens had started that season on the, on the uh, injured list with a, some shoulder thing. So he, he carried that team. That team won the ALE, so he carried that team in the middle of the season. The first thing I went to look at his game logs from 1995, his first start for the Sox was May 27th, and he threw seven sh- innings and one run in, in uh, Anaheim. He made his next start on two days rest in Oakland and pitched seven shutout innings. I mean, who who does that? I mean, right front, right then you do. He was a different breed. This knuckleballer, um, you know, the pitch itself was in was inconsistent. But the ironic thing was Wakefield was so consistent. If you look at his numbers year after year, he would give the team innings. He would give the team wins. He would give the team stability and uh, just a comforting presence uh, in the clubhouse. And another word I think of when I think of Tim Wakefield, just gentleman, man. He was just a gentleman. Like, just, uh, you know, he just really got it as far as being a person. And I think that that's the legacy somebody uh, wants to be remembered for more is what they did on the ball field is just being a great person, treating everyone right. And, uh, you know, Tim did that for a long time. It's just sad, though, because this is a guy... He was trending, you know, his, he had his retirement life figured out. He was going to work. For, he was the honorary chairman of the Red Sox Foundation. He would have done that forever. He was doing some Nesson stuff. Um, he would have been just been one of those guys that, uh, like Jerry before, Jerry Remy, who was just around for decades representing this team like an ambassador for the Red Sox. There's only a handful of guys you can really say that about. Uh, Tim Wakefield was a true uh, ambassador for the Red Sox and that's just another thing that makes us think so sad and the whole Red Sox family whether you're a player a coach a media member all the fans um, everybody is feeling the same thing right now I think yeah and, and you said it you what was what he had entrenched himself in after his playing career it was so genuine and so perfect it's because you know we we can see 
throughout organizations where players stay with organizations and they're paid by organizations and and you know they'll show up once in a while or whatever. But this guy, he he took his responsibility serious and and he was the perfect, as you said, the perfect ambassador for the Boston Red Sox and and he could do it in so many ways and it, you know one of the things is that we see people interact with him and listen I mean there was if you interacted with Tim Wakefield there was no room for interpretation he no. was going to be friendly he was going to be accommodating he was going to he was he was going to be a perfect representative of everything that everybody wanted him to be and and that's the thing is that you <laughs> People want this guy to be like that way, and he was that way. Yeah, no, I have a great personal anecdote about that related to that, Rob. Was, um, I brought my son Tyler to spring training with me. Uh, he just kind of like come to de- come to work with Dad for the day. The first time he ever did that was the spring training of 2012, and it ended up being the day that um, Wakefield ended up retiring and having that press conference on the field. And um, Tyler, you know, as some fifth or I think he was in sixth grade at the time. You know, it's a tough time for some kids. He wasn't going through the greatest time in his life. Uh, but he went up to Tim. I took him up and introduced him to Tim Wakefield. And Tim Wakefield just made him feel like a million dollars. I'm telling you, that smile on that kid's face. I think he still has it all these years later. Just um, the impact that Tim made on um, Tyler is still there today. Tyler wrote um, college admissions essays, I think, on on Tim and what uh, that that initial visit meant to him. So there's not too many athletes that um, that can impact a person like that or just impact fans. Any pretty much anybody he came across because he was just real. He was just genuine. It wasn't just like oh, I'm Tim Wakefield, pitcher for the Red Sox. It's just like just like I'm Tim Wakefield. I'm a person just like just like you are. And he would just like talk to you like another person. And, and the, the thing is, obviously, this all sucks. But the thing that sucks is that. You know, obviously this is a sudden thing. And the first thing you think of as a human being, anytime something like this happens, like when was my last interaction with him, right? Yeah. And and I, I think it was one of these things where my last interaction with him, I think was him coming out of the Nesson booth yeah. in the hallway, which we've seen like <clears throat> a million times. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And you really don't have much to say, not because of bad things, but just because you see him enough where there's, it's like he wasn't, Here's another thing. He wasn't totally into like the drama no. of everything, right? Like, and and whereas everybody up there is into the drama, he was just in the. He was just there to like, hey, I'm. A, he's a good guy. He'll talk to you as a human being, and and that's it. And. I mean, so I'm just like sort of reflecting yeah, on he was, the conversation. He was like a little bit self-effacing too. Like actually the last time I saw him, I believe this was the last time I saw him, was the last homestand when he was doing stuff for Ness and um, we were both getting into that crowded uh, middle uh, elevator after the game and they're like, media only. And you know, Tim's trying to come on there and they're like, media only. And yeah. I'm like, um, I just kind of laughed with him. I'm like, yeah, he's only the third winningest pitcher in Red Sox <laughs> yeah. history. I think we can, uh, you know, I think that should mean something. And then he just smiled at me. He's like, yeah, you would think. And, yeah. uh, and then I think he came onto the elevator. But that was, that was the last time I saw him. And God, if you just told me that day I was never going to see him again and, that, you know, none of us knew anything was happening at that time. Um, it's just shocking that this has happened so quick because he's just one of those guys you thought he was going to be around well, forever. You, you, know? just hit, you just said it. I mean, he really was one of those guys like you thought. It wasn't like he he looked healthy. Like he yeah. was a guy that, and that's this obviously we never know, but 
he 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 always looked. I was we were always sort of jealous of how yeah, his weight he looked. his weight went went down in retirement. Yeah, he, um, he really kept himself in good shape and just you know he maybe he has a few gray hairs, but otherwise he looked like the exact no, same. Man. And I mean, he looked like he'd go out there and throw a hundred pitches uh, whenever you saw him. And I remember seeing him, and you and I both went to the David Ortiz uh, golf tournament, and he was such a presence there, not only because he was a really, really good golfer, really good golfer, but people pay a lot of money to be at that thing. And I tell you what, if I had to pick one person who was the most accommodating to those people, it was Tim Wakefield. Not surprising. I mean... I mean, the, the ironic and cruel thing about him um, dying of cancer is just there's probably nobody with the Red Sox, you know, maybe Ted Williams or, you know, somebody like that, um, who who just embraced, like, talking to people with cancer, especially kids. Yeah. He went over and talked to those kids all the time. He had, um, during his playing days, he had the Wakefield Warriors yeah. where they would come in every Tuesday home game. He would have them on the field and take them around. and uh, He just loved that stuff. And, um, you know, those are the type of players that I admire the most who really just, like, use their platforms to just make a difference because not everybody can make that kind of difference for a kid who has cancer, but he did. Yeah, and, and in terms of his team and his presence and his memory with the Boston Red Sox, let's remember, he was very aware of this. Like, he was very aware of, you know, how much he, and this wasn't in a bad way, but he was very aware of how much he had accomplished, the goals, you know, that he had, was were able to attain, um, the career that he had. And, and then, you know, again, like the, the legacy that he could leave when it came to stuff off the field. Like he was very, very aware of all this in, in, a, in like a tremendously good way. I mean, it's, he earned it. Yeah, he really appreciated his place um, in the community, and it really meant a lot to him to be kind of where he was in Red Sox history. Like like you say, he won 186 games for the Red Sox. You know, only Cy Young and Roger Clemens so won amazing. more, and that's probably something that a lot of fans aren't going to know until today. That, wow, Tim Wakefield's actually the guy who won the third most games in Red Sox history. And he just did it through perseverance, man. He pitched 17 years. We, we remember when uh, in 2009 when he made the All-Star team for the first time. That was such a, oh, great, yeah. that was such a great story. Joe Madden, uh, it was a hand-picked selection by Joe Madden. So it just shows you the respect that another manager had um, for Tim Wakefield, an opposing manager. And, uh, you know, when the, when the Red Sox won, uh, beat the Yankees in 2004 to come back from three games to none, um, Joe Torre called Tim Wakefield to congratulate him. Yeah. And we, we all know what happened the year before with Wakefield giving up the homer to Aaron Boone. Um, he was afraid that you know Red Sox fans were going to hold him responsible for the team. It turns out everybody held Grady a little responsible. But when Tim Wakefield walked into the writers' dinner um, that January of 2004, not knowing what to expect, it was his first public appearance since he gave up a season-ending home run to Aaron Boone. Rob, the entire place stood up and cheered, and that was, I think, when Tim Wakefield understood that that he's a Red Sox for life and that he's appreciating this community forever to give up a home run like that and to get an ovation quick, like a that. Quick thing about that home run, about the Boone home run. Yeah. Is what people should remember about this. And I, and, and I think everyone was so glad that this, was, this wasn't this was what Wakefield had feared, which was everyone's going to hold yeah. it against him and he was yeah. going to be a sort of a Buckner figure all over, which nobody did. Nobody no, did. No, no. But, but leading up to that, he was so important. And so, like, to get to that point, and, and really, I think, so how it felt in that game was because you had Tim Wakefield, yeah. 
you actually the tide had turned and you were going to win that game because he could he was equipped to pitch forever yeah, and pitch, pitch forever, really yeah. well. See the Yankees, the Yankees um, Rivera came out and poured himself out three innings out of the bullpen. He wasn't. Coming, I don't think he's coming back for a fourth inning. Wakefield could have pitched all night. And uh, he pitched the scoreless 10th, and we were all surprised when first pitched the 11th. It was like, it was just like a jarring moment because you didn't expect that Boone was in, even in a slump at the time. And uh, the thing I remember too is the next year when they won at Yankee Stadium, I think it was Jason Veritek and I think Derek Lowe, they pulled Wakefield on the mound after the celebration. They said, stand on this mound, Wake. Really? Take it in, take it in, because we remember a year ago how you were feeling. Yeah. Take this in. We just. Became the first team in history to come back from three games to none. Um, Wakefield in that series, we can game five, which is aside from the, what we talked about in game three. Game five, he throws three shutout innings to win that 14 inning game. And on the 03 ALCS, if the Red Sox won that series, he would have been the MVP. Oh, yeah, yeah so. absolutely. So just, uh, you know, people forget. Um, how good this guy was as a baseman. They just think of the gimmick pitch, the knuckleball, but he was just a really important player for the Red Sox for a long time. The, um, and, you know, when we talked about the how is impacting us sort of at the game, you know, news comes out and they have the moment of silence here. And I think that, as I said, I think it's sort of, it, I don't know about you, like as we sit here, it's like, eh, you know, do I really want to write about Alex Verdugo? Right. Yeah. Kenley Jansen and Justin Turner, nothing against them. Right. But it's, you know, this is sort of, this is. This is this is far more important and far more impactful and far more. This is why we should be talking about this. And and I said this to you, you know, when I got here to the park today. I mean, I, as much as it's impacting us, the 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 people who are his former teammates, yeah, how it's impacted them. And I told you, you know, like I watched Alex Cora, you know, walk out. Jason Veritek was walking along the the warning track back and forth back and forth and then Alex Cora about 11:40 walks out and you know which he almost never does walks straight to him and they get out there and it was just them in the entire outfield and they just embraced and then they they took a walk and they went up to the Red Sox bullpen in with in Baltimore and just sat there and now we know you know what was going on right um, but you know, looking back at that, and you, I think that you hit the nail on the head. You know, that sort of like was probably a sign that things aren't going well. But looking back at that scene, you know, you guys like Veritek and guys like Cora played with him too. Obviously. Yeah, Cora yeah, was Cora around. played with him for is, years. Sure. This is we talk about baseball players being around their teammates more than around their families. Well, I mean, this is a, another reminder of that. Yeah, for sure. You know, you, you look at Kevin Euclid doing the game on uh, on Nesson today, and how hard that has to be for him. Lou Merloni in the in the booth for WEI. This has to be uh, terribly hard for him. You know, Lou played for this guy with this guy for probably uh, five years, I think. Uh, and just so, just a lot of guys called him a former teammate because he was there for 17 years, and he yeah. kind of he spanned the eras from the uh, from the Kevin Kennedy Red Sox of 1995. I mean, this guy was teammates with Roger Clemens, and then he he went through the the uh, Jimmy Williams years and uh, Grady Little and and Terry Francona, and just crazy how many different Red Sox teams he was a part of. He pitched for uh, I think I counted it was uh, was it nine, nine playoff teams he pitched for in Boston. Wow. Which is probably a record. I didn't look it up, but that, that's got to be a record. And the weird thing is, looking about, and you were looking it up, it was always that, could, can they start them in the play, playoffs? Can they start them in the playoffs? 
but ultimately he found a way to be impactful even though there was always that that distrust of not a distrust of Wakefield yeah. but the distrust of the pitch that he threw right and even like who, whoever's catching it like in that playoff game I mean Veritek poor Veritek had three pass balls in one inning and that was that game five against the Yankees. Somehow a run never scored. He corralled the, the last one and sort of uh, Wakefield and Veritek both sort of pumped their fists as they because Veritek didn't catch him very much. Yeah. And he's doing them the most important game of the season. But yeah, that pitch was uh, was volatile. So yeah, so it's dependent on weather sometimes. But yeah, he found a way to be stabilizing even with a pitch that was kind of the opposite of stabilizing. All right. Well, I know we got a lot of stuff to do, so I appreciate you doing this and. Uh Nobody more equipped to, to have this, certainly uh, at the ballpark today, among the uh, reporters, so I appreciate it, Ian. Yeah, good to be on with you, Rob. Let's do it under happier circumstance next time. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I, uh, I look over at my dad, and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like... I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.